Thank you for listening to Mentor Ubuntu podcast and being a valued member of our community. Remember to subscribe to our YouTube, Instagram, and other social media now for access to our latest updates. DM us and let us know what your mental health is on a scale of one to five. Take care. I've, I've done it, but I, sometimes it's difficult, isn't it? As a man, you feel, feel as though you should. You feel it should be wrong, but I've done, with my son, I've cried many a time in front of him and I feel comfortable with it, but sometimes it, sometimes I think, should I be, you know, am I doing it too much? But I, I'm me, I'm just thinking, so I'm not going to hold back, I'm just going to be myself. If I feel it, there's times when I've felt it and I've just, you know, and it's happened and I just thought, well, this is what it is, you know, why hide it? Let your feelings be, let it be organic amazing to hear how even while you're in service your father is going to the ends of the earth no matter how short or long it is he's basically there um, getting any chance he can because again it's that thing of that we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow so you've got to grasp these moments no matter where they are especially with loved ones and even quite recently uh, my daughter finished uh, her last day of year six and she didn't know I was going to be there. I was there. She was just like, wow. She was emotional. And she was like, oh. And I mean, I never had that experience, but me being there for her really, you know, so I, I totally know what that means yeah. you know, for, for your father to have been there. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, also showing you've had that experience of equipping yourself with all these different tools, not just for warfare, but more importantly, just bring your own weapon of vulnerability which I think is so important because a lot of the times we don't really see our parents being vulnerable and at the end of the day we're all human at the end of the day yeah yeah how has that manifested the relationship with you yourself and your son it's yeah it's it's a bit difficult because we have going into another realm now because the two I've got two children who live down south okay from the first marriage and they live in Chatham and I've got um, another son who's who lives up with me in Bolton but well, he doesn't live with me but he's up in Bolton he lives on his own now but he's 27 and I've got sort of a daughter and a son in the 40s I keep in touch with him I always have done but with him he's more a man's man he's sort of very much rugby plays rugby league or used to play rugby league but he yeah he's he, he's sort of more in touch with his feelings and he'll come and we'll chat and we'll talk and he'll say I want you advice on stuff and we'll get on my other, my daughter, we don't see them that often at the moment because of obviously the lockdown, but before I used to go down a couple of times, uh, quite a few times a year, and we get on well. But my other my son, who we had quite a difficult time because he felt as though I'd abandoned him when we divorced. It wasn't my choice that we got divorced. It, it was his one mum. Because I left and then somebody else was looking after him and bringing him up, but he felt that he didn't have a dad. He, he felt, and, and until recently, he came up not so long ago, and I explained to him, because he, he was more or less saying, that, well, you could have done things differently, you could have done this. We sat down and chatted about it, and we sorted it out. And that's after, what, 40-odd years? We just talked about it just the other day. And that was nice to sort of say to him, you know, well, look, this is what happened. This was the reason. And when he heard, when he realised what had gone on and stuff, he understood, but at the time, he didn't. So, yeah, that was quite emotional because he, he sort of, yeah, it's difficult because, you know, it's, 
there's a lot of things that you do that sure that sure stuff and you bury it it just keeps until we start talking about it and it starts coming up and it brings it back but a lot of the times I manage my stuff because I've talked about it I've had counseling in different times and talked about different things and because I've done that when I'm with my clients, my stuff's behind me. I'm with the client. I'm in the moment with the client. So that 50 minutes that I'm counselling, I'm in the client's world. That's everything because you're working with the client, what their needs are, what they can get. So you're, you're fully engrossed with them and listening, deep listening. And by listening to somebody, you're hearing what's going on for them. And when you're hearing what's going on for them, you can help them because you can hear all the different facets. You can hear what's going on and you've got ideas and you can think, right, okay, so why, what's stopping you doing this? What's stopping you doing But they don't realise how much information they've given you when you're listening and you're just listening to them. They don't realise how much information they're actually imparting. And then you're giving it them back and saying, so what about this, what about them? Because they're so engrossed in what they've got going on, they've missed it. I think from that point of view, my stuff just sits, I've dealt with it, you know what I mean, if you think for a better word, but it's never really bothered me. It's never been a big issue, but it's something that I deal with and then move on. Amazing. And do you always find that having that support? Because you, you, you mentioned something that I think you've mentioned it quite a few times, how you kind of silo yourself and deal with things by yourself. But obviously in your profession as well, you also have to have your own therapist as a soundboard to make sure that you're not taking other people's weight and your own weight and you're also unpacking that that elements of it. I'd really love to find out about that and how exactly, you know, the whole integrative and humanistic cancelling kind of works, even though you've given us insight to it. Um, mm. For our listeners, they're just like myself, never yeah. even heard of it. So. Yeah, no, yeah, okay. Well, when I did, it fit just well with me because when I did my course, I shouldn't be saying this, but when, when you, I feel that when they do the courses, all the different courses, everybody focuses on a particular theory so whether it be person-centered cbt psychodynamic transactional the, the the focus on that and you learn that but that's a means to an end because when you do all the different so if you're doing person-centered therapy so i have to explain each one to, to give you an example but person-centered therapy you would be listening to somebody and reflecting and summarizing back. So you wouldn't necessarily give them structure. You wouldn't give them solutions. You would be listening and reflecting back. So you'd be saying, so you're telling me this, you sounds like you're feeling it. So how's that making you feel? And you, you try to get the client by reflecting and summarizing back. You're trying to get them to realize what it is that's going on for them. And once they realize what, so if they keep saying to you, oh, well, uh, I'm upset about the settee and I'm upset. So it sounds like you're really upset about the settee. And the more you keep saying it back to them, hopefully they'll get, oh, I need to move the settee because it's what's bothering me. But that could take weeks. It could take months before they get there because all you're doing is summarising back and reflecting back. You're not asking them. You're not giving them, you're not telling them the settee's what's bothering you a little bit. You, you're reflecting and summarising back. With CBT, you're actually, it's cognitive behavioural therapy but you're actually more structured. So you would say, right, but listen, you would measure, you do a measure. So you test somebody when they come, you do a test to see where they're at. Then you'd say, right, this is what we're going to do. 
So you'd do a plan of action for six weeks and you'd say, right, this week we're going to do this, then we're going to do that. So you're going to tell somebody what, how they're going to go through that, through that period. Now, that works for some people, doesn't work for other people because it's sort of some people don't want to be told. Some people don't, don't like being in because that, that's sort of so much like school, having homework to do and so on. So you've got two different modes there. But I always argue at the end of the day, you've got, when you're working with somebody, you're working with the person. So you're working with what's going on for that person in the mind body. So effectively, you're using a bit of everything. So all these different, there's something like 400 different therapies out there. So, and they're all spin-offs from all different ones. So Solution Focus is a spin-off from CBT. And then you've got different ones and different ones. So integrative and humanistic. So humanistic is about the, being with the person and integrative is inter integrating all the different therapies. Now, some people would say you're master, oh, I'm trying to think of the phrase. Master of none, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Jack of all <laughs> trades, master of none, right? So some people would use that as an analogy. But if you think about it, being holistic, if you're working with someone, if I was working with you, and I'm asking you what's going on, and I'm listening to you. So no matter what, no matter what theory you would have put behind it, if you listen to somebody, you're going to hear somebody. You're going to hear what they're talking about. And then if you can help that person, so I'm not going to tell you what to do, but I'm going to ask you the question. So what's stopping you? You're telling me this is bothering me. You're telling me that the settee is bothering you. So what can you actually do about the settee? Well, I could do this, do this. So what do you actually want to do about it? So let's have a look at how you can do that, because you know that by doing what they're wanting, but they're taking control and doing it, but by doing what they're wanting, they're going to feel better because they move the settee to where they want it. So being, to me, the person-centred, rather than letting the client drift and drift and drift and drift where they're not actually getting anywhere, well, they might not get it, I will ask them the question. So it's you're still using the cognitive because you're asking them a question, getting them to think, and then change the behavior. So you're just putting everything in. So you're being holistic with somebody and you're asking the question. So you're saying to somebody, tell me what's going on for you. Why have you come to counseling? More, more times than not, people come to counseling because there's something, they're coming because they're feeling bad. Something's happening, it's certain. So I'll say, why have you come to counseling? Why now? What's happened that's brought you to counseling now? What's changed? And they might say a bereavement or whatever. Or you might find out that whatever it was changed a year ago and you find that they lost somebody a year ago. But by listening, you're going to find out what's going on for somebody. You're going to hear them. And that, to me, is what's more important in any of the courses is, deep, is listening, learning to listen properly and hear what the other person's saying. And then looking at solutions but not telling them this is what you should be doing this is what you should do because nobody wants to be told what to do but it's getting them it's asking the question and saying okay so how, how do you feel about that what's stopping you you know you're telling me you want to lose weight or you're telling me you want to get fitter what's stopping you oh but this this this, this. so okay so let's have a look at that you're the one that's come said you want to lose weight so what could you do what could you do? What, what's happening at the moment? What are you doing? What are you eating at the moment? Well, I'm eating this, this, this. So what's stopping you putting an healthy diet in? 
What's stopping you eating? And it's asking the relevant questions if they can't come up with it themselves. Sometimes I'll ask the question. I always say less is more. So you have the core conditions with, with your, with your counselling. You've got your core conditions, which is do no harm, all the different things. You've got your core conditions. And then I use the, the Socratic questions. How, what, where, who, and when? Less is more. And so I listen to somebody and I ask the questions and I, I say to them, so what could you do? And if they don't come up with it, because I've listened and I've heard it, I can then say, well, you told me this earlier on. I'm just wondering what's stopping you doing that? What's stopping you doing this? And usually they'll, you'll still stop because they realise that they can do it, but they've got to do it. It's not that they can't do it. It's difficult. They're finding it hard. So it's supporting them to change, to work. And it might be because they were bullied when they were at school. It might be because they were, you know, the, 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 there was domestic abuse or whatever when they were younger. But it's finding that out and then working out what's stopping them achieving what they want to achieve. So it's very realistic. Let me say something. Whoever's listening, I think you just click pause and then rewind a little bit, yeah? Skip back a little bit like that was sensational sir wow i mean you had me hooked from you've got to enter their world i just think with all the space travel that's going on now think what that means when you're entering someone's world you're going somewhere completely new it means you don't know anything you don't know better than them you cannot advise you are just there to explore and to listen and more importantly, you're doing it together. Yep. That in itself, yep. wow. If you needed a nugget to take away, enter their world is number one. Then B, you've got this idea of, you've put it for in, in simple words for us with this personal approach to therapy, you know, person-centered approach to therapy where mirror came to me. It's a reflection that's being put back to the person. It's not about what you see. It's about holding the mirror up and getting them to see and to describe what they see so that they get it. And you can double check that what you're seeing is accurate. Yeah. I was like, whoo, mind blown. Then you go into cognitive behavior therapy, which a lot of us have probably heard more about. And the CBT gets thrown around here and there. Menu came to mind. There's a menu there. Some people might not like the approach. It's like when you go to certain restaurants, you look at the menu. Hey, maybe you want it, maybe you don't. Beyond that, mind blown again, there's 400. There's over like 400 therapies out there. There's probably more. And who knows, you go global. So you have to be open to trying all of these things. Such a powerful thing. At the core, at the root, it's questions. And it's down to you as an individual and what you the, it feels like the therapist is the empty cup and you turn up, you're a jug. You don't have to pour everything out mm-hmm. and it's not for them to sort everything out, but you have to be willing to pour out and to share. Yeah. And the questions will enable you to get there. And just like we've seen here, it's how you ask the questions. Like you were asking some of those questions. I was like, Ooh, I'm glad I don't have to answer these on the mic. <laughs> <laughs> It's, I think a lot of it's relationship. You know, you've got to build a relationship. And that first 
you know, I when we when I start counselling, I'll be perfectly honest with you. When I start counselling, I you've got to go through the contract with somebody for confidentiality and all the different things and you know whatever fees and all the rest of it. That's important. You've got to do that. But if you've done that and you do it properly, if your contract is right and you do it properly and do it, get it out of the way, it's done. It's out of the way. You can always come back to it, but everybody knows where they stand before you start. You've got your, you've got your boundary. That's it. You've got your boundary. You can come back to it. If somebody turns up drunk or whatever under the influence, you can say, oh, in the contract, it says, if you turn up under the influence, we can't do the session because you're not going to benefit from it. So that is you've got your contract you've got your rules and your regulations so you know you've got after that you can relax and you get it's it's building that relationship that with the client and once you build that relationship it's that backwards and forwards you're sensing you can ask sometimes you can ask really deep questions within the first couple of sessions that normally somebody would think whoa why did you that's a bit sort of strong that's a bit sort of upfront or a bit powerful or a bit sort of close to the knuckle but if you sense that you can ask that question with a client because you know them you get to know them you've got that feel you you roll with it you ask the question because you know that it's going to benefit the client you know that's what it's there that's what you're there for so it's rolling with the clients it's listening to the client hearing them hearing what's not being said sometimes and then asking the relevant questions to get them moving and then sometimes it's it's not what we want it's what they want you know that some of our supervisors will say i don't feel as though the client's moved and says well if they don't want to move what's wrong with that it's up to the client it's what they want and if they don't seem to you know they, i said they may have just got something from just you listening to them just listening is powerful and i said if they're getting something from it why did they have to have yeah but they haven't done anything they haven't changed well why do they need to change what did the client get? Many times I've said that to somebody. What did the client get? Well, I don't know. Did you ask them? What do you want? What did you get from the session? Are you okay? What do you, are you happy? Whatever. It's looking at what you want. It's, we're here for you. So when you're in the world, like I say, I, I'm, for that 50 minutes, you're there. Once I leave, if you was to ask me about what I said to a client, I mean, even earlier, because I just finished, I couldn't tell you. Because once I've finished with the client and I've done my notes, that's it. So unless something sticks with me particularly that triggers something, then I'll take to supervision. But generally, I do, I self-supervise myself. So as soon as it's done, it's gone. So I have to then read the notes before I do the next session, because I can't always remember. Thank you for listening to Men Talk Ubuntu podcast and being a valued member of our community. Remember to subscribe to our YouTube, Instagram and other social media now for access to our latest updates. DM us and let us know what your mental health is on a scale of one to five. Thank you. I want to ask, there's, I feel like the word trauma was probably used a lot last year when the George Floyd murder happened and I think it triggered a lot of us and what we saw. And I think it probably led to more open conversations about certain things. But one of the issues most of us would have faced last year was navigating that conversation or dealing with our own 
trauma if you will yeah but also now just in general with our own experiences and what if we're trying to get more men aware about mental health and we're trying to get our friends to be more aware and to be more proactive and perhaps because they've heard about it or they feel safe around us they share something maybe something that's traumatic what what are some of the best perhaps approaches or ways about obviously recommend that they engage with a professional and go go the right way but when someone drops something heavy on you what for the listener who they're new to this or maybe they're trying to process something that's gone on because they've kept it hidden like say but we know it'll come round eventually but it depends it depends on what the trauma is because what can traumatize one person can not maybe not traumatize somebody else and like having a car accident, it's a trauma. Depending on the extent of the car accident depends on where it's going to bother you. So some people can jump back in the car afterwards and it doesn't bother them. Whereas other people will be, I remember bumping my car once. And every time I went past that spot again, I remember that. So that's a, a trauma. It's a, it triggers it. You remember it and it, it hurts. But because I think it cost me something like 500 quid for, to, to pay for the car I bumped. But it, you know, so it was a trauma for me at the time because I couldn't afford it. But, you know, but it, it depends on what the trauma is and what we try to do with what, because to me, you do all the different trauma training, but a lot of it is no different from your normal counselling training. Because you're training, a lot of it is being with the person again, listening to the person, finding out why they feel that way, what it is that's affecting them and how they can deal with it. So what do you want from that? Somebody there was wanting to drive, you know, they had an accident, they wanted to start driving again. So it's looking at, okay, so how can we get you to where you want to be? So it's normalizing it. So for example, if somebody has like fallen off your bike, you don't want to ride, when you're online, the first time you fall off your bike and you scrape your knees and everything else, you're a bit reluctant to get back on it again because you, you, you think you're going to fall off again. But you know that once you get back on it and find that it didn't happen the second time, you get more confidence and so on and so on. So the more you deal with the issue, the more you expose yourself to the issue, the more you become, it becomes more normalised again, for that matter. So usually with a trauma, it's it's not normally something that happens every day but when when it's happened it's caused you that that sort of it's it's impacted on you and it's causing you that sort of distress and so every time you get anywhere near that or especially initially when it's first happened so that we do a lot of um psychological uh first aid where you talk to people straight after the trauma and let them start to relive it and do that usually helps to repair people before because they're actually processing it and normalizing it before it gets embedded. But the longer you leave it and it sits there and then you, you go back that it's, oh, I don't like that because it's, it, it reminds you of what, of what it was that's caused the problem. So the more you, if you, if you realize that the more you do it, the more you get back in the car, and you drive past the place where you had the accident, you find that you don't have an accident a second time, you get the stronger, the more comfortable you get. And the more you do it, the less worried you get, and so on and so on. It's still going to be there. The trauma is still going to be there. It's not going to go away. Just like with bereavement, you're not going to lose the sadness that you've got for losing somebody. But it depends on 
the love you've got for the person depends on how much you love that person depends on how badly it's going to affect you. So it's that attachment aspect of bereavement and it's the same with trauma. It, depending on the, the situation, the more you expose yourself to it and do it and realize that it's like, you know, if you don't like something and you keep doing it, you think, right, I don't like doing this, so try it. Don't like flying. You go flying, you realize that you don't, it's, it's okay. It's one of the safest things. The more you do it, you think, oh, this, this is okay. But initially, it's that fear. It's that sort of overcoming your fear. So there's no, there's loads of training, all different types of training, but there's no, when I'm thinking, this, and I always say there's no magic, there's no science behind, no magic behind it. It's very much listening to the individual, finding out what it is that's bothering them and how you can actually address it and how we can change it. Yeah, there's no panacea, there's no silver bullet, there's no one person is going to fix you either. So for those of you listening who might think, finally, now I know what I need to do, I just need to go and see a therapist and all will be well. That might not necessarily be the case, or it might not turn out the way that you think. You might get well, but it might not be the way that you're envisioning it. So I the think only, that's really important. Yeah, the only way, what well, you'll not get, the only way it will get better is it's your want. Whenever anybody goes to counselling, you go to counselling because you're hurting. You're going to counselling because there's something wrong, whether it be bereavement, trauma, uh, uh, anxiety, stress. You're going because you, something's bothering you, work-related stress, whatever it is, it's built up. You're going because you, you, you don't like that feeling. So once you go and you start talking about it, whoever's listening, if they're listening properly and hearing you, they should pick up on what it is that's causing that problem. And looking at how you can, what can you do to change? Uh, what can you do to resolve that problem? So, for example, you know, people will say, um, I can't stop worrying about things. So I'll say, well, what do you worry about? What is it you're worrying about? Well, I worry about this, this, this. So what can you actually do about it? Let's have a look at what you can do about it. Because if a lot of times we worry about something and because we don't take any action, it doesn't get resolved. If we take action and deal with what we're worrying about, you're taking the worry away because you're dealing with it. So you're reducing the stress and the anxiety. If it's something you've got no control of, if you've done everything you possibly can and you've got no control, so you're worrying about whether it's going to rain tomorrow or not, you can't do anything about it, so why worry about it? But, but I can't get that out of my head. I, I can't get to sleep because I'm worried about whether it's going to rain. So then that's, that, the only way you're going to stop that is then taking your mind off it, distracting yourself, because you can't change it. So it's distracted. So it's doing mindfulness, maybe, um, or listening to your favorite song or reading the book. Or, but I always say, find something that works for you that's going to distract you from worrying about something you've got no control over. So there's two things there. One you can deal with, sort it, reduces it. The other one, you can't do anything about, so you've got to distract yourself. You've got to stop yourself. So the busier you are, if you, have you ever thought that when you're worrying about something, when you've got nothing else to do and you're sitting around on your own and you've got nothing else and you're worrying, that it stays there. You worry, you worry, worry. The next day, because you've got a full day and you're out busy, the thing that you're worrying about, have you thought about it? Possibly not, because you're busy doing all, you, you, your day's been so full not a chance to think about whatever it was that you was worrying about yesterday because you're keeping yourself busy 
So it's distraction. And it only comes back when you've got nothing else to think about again. Oh, the, the, yeah, I'm worried about that. What's going to happen at the weekend? Oh, I'm worried about this. And then next day you're busy again, so you forget it. So it's a lot of it is looking at what it is, but the person's got to do it. What I meant to say right at the beginning was the person's got to do it themselves. So whatever you bring up, whatever the um, strategy is, for a better word, structure, whatever that can be done, once you've given it back to the client, they've got to go away and do it. They've got to take ownership of it and they've got to do it. There's no magic bullet, like you say, you know, so the counsellor can't do it. The counsellor's listening and reflecting back, summarising back, giving them the space to explore, give, bringing out the ideas, asking the relevant questions that it brings into the awareness. Once you brought it into the awareness, and I usually say, they bring it up themselves, it's great, because they've thought of it themselves. If they haven't brought it up themselves, because of what you know and you've heard, you can then say, mm, so what's stopping you doing that? So I, then I'll ask, what's stopping you going to the Citizen Advice Bureau? What's stopping you doing this? And you bring it in for them, and then it's up to them to go and do it. But they've got to go and do it. So you'll get some clients will say, but what if it doesn't work? Well, you're not going to know unless you try it. But you've come to, you're the one that's come saying, I'm in pain, I want to change it. So you've got to do the work in order to change it. Phenomenal. Uh I was reminded of a previous podcast on mental health advocacy where one of our guests shared a trauma they had and this idea of when you're walking somewhere, sometimes if, if it's location-based, it really does bring it back. Just like you described with when the football's on or you're going past somewhere, yeah. it brings back your dad. Yeah. Uh, it Ultimately, people, uh, when it comes to seeking support for therapy or anything like that, be like Winston and in his response to why he joined the Navy because he wanted to. So never mind what anyone else thinks about therapy. If you want to try something new, if you believe it might support you, assist you, or just want to try it out, please do go for it. We could keep Winston here for who knows how many more hours and really dig deep and get more. I'm, I'm like, I'm taking notes. I don't know if you listen and don't take notes. I don't know what you're catching. Maybe you just listen over and over again. Another way you might want to share this or get someone, yeah, get someone into therapy. Just say, I've heard this podcast. It's really interesting and see where the conversation goes. See if they'll let you into their world because some people might not. But of course, you know what it is. Uh, we respect your time sir and as much as we would love to keep asking you questions we have so many more we will just have to have you back so what we yeah, will do is more than welcome to come back yes <laughs> so what we'll do is transition into the closing questions which are a bit more rapid fire a bit less open so be as honest as you can and just enjoy the ride is all that i can say yeah. okay i'll begin the first question I'd like to ask you in closing, Winston, is what's the best thing about being Black? Oh, being individual. Amazing. Okay. Um, this is a quick fire one as well. Um, who taught you how to shave? <laughs> myself. I was doing myself. Independent man. The Navy, I knew it. <laughs> Clean shaven. I, I thought, oh, dang. <laughs> yeah, I haven't said that I haven't today. <laughs> yeah. 
look at me. <laughs> and my question is then, a hundred years from now, what's a resource that you hope people still use or engage with? Um, no. Being themselves, enjoying life. Take each day as it comes and enjoy it. I love that notion. That's one thing I say every day. Take every day as it comes. Live it to the fullest. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the question I have for you, what do you wish more men spoke about? Just be about themselves. Just be open and about whatever's bothering them. Not be scared to just talk. Yeah, just be themselves and not be scared to be themselves. It's beautifully put. And I think stick with that idea of the world. I just love that idea so much. So when you're being yourself, be your own world and let other people in, but also have the humility and the grace to enter other people's worlds mm -hmm. and leave your stuff behind and just get curious about what's going on in their lives. Don't be afraid. Um, whatever you think, um yeah people will accept you as you are if they don't then perhaps they're not meant for you someone will someone in the mental Ubuntu community will it's been such an absolute honor to have you with us Winston I'd honestly love to hear you regale your stories of travel and beyond <laughs> yeah. I'm absolutely fascinated by your life history I'm extremely well, proud, I suppose, to be a black man and hear another black man doing so many wonderful things and just giving back. A big part of what we do is promote positive perceptions of mental health. Attached to that is also of black men. And to hear about your wonderful career, your lifetime of service, and the fact that you continue to serve your community and others, the fact that you're setting a wonderful example for you know how to hold a family together, how to keep the relationships going strong and keep developing them as we grow older it's just and this is just one conversation so i'm extremely happy and that we've met and connected and to have you as part of this community as well as now my life you're not getting away <laughs> <laughs> no that's my pleasure yeah i know we're pressed for time but i also want to give a, a personal salute first and foremost and i really do commend you in terms of everything that you've done throughout your whole life and you continue to do with your selfless services of enabling and supporting people and i've been here taking so many so many notes believe me you it's like that on the back of this not only will i listen to this again but i'll also bombarding you with messages even though you're busy so if, yeah, it, okay. if, I, if I'm going to have to put on my army boots as well and <laughs> infiltrate your diary, then so be it. Yeah, okay. I'm really grateful for your time yeah. this evening as well. Nice, no, my pleasure. I really enjoyed it. Thanks. Thanks for the opportunity. Uh, thank you for listening. If you got to the end, integrative and humanist, take that approach with you and flourish. Play it back. Let these marinate. Take care. Uh, and finally, just before everyone goes, Winston, if people need to find you or where can they find you uh, online or anything or any details you can provide? Yeah, I do have a website. It's, well, my actual trade name for a better word is Along Life's Way Counselling. So that, 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 they put that into the website, www.alonglifeswaycounselling.co.uk. Alonglifeswaycounselling.co.uk.
There's a lovely picture of a moon reflecting on. Yes. Yeah, you've got it. Yeah. So that's the one. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. And like he lets you know there, he's here to listen. And we're grateful that you listened to us. And we hope that you will listen to other people now. Yes. Go forth and prosper. Much love, people. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) No problem. Yeah. Hope you enjoyed listening as much as we enjoyed creating. Don't forget to follow, like, share, and connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Subscribe to our latest episode and listen to any you missed. And tune in next episode. Take care.